Welcome to the Quadring Podcast for Thursday, the 5th of January. First up, Jordan B. Peterson destroys his sentencing and drops insane receipts that prove it's all a lie. We got to talk about uh, Jordan Peterson striking back here. It's been a big story, the, the re-education of Jordan Peterson. Uh, and uh, I found a little bit of data that makes it look a little bit more nefarious than previously thought. By the way, uh, you know I've got to bring up coffee brand coffee. I've got a bunch of our Christmas flavors that are leaving the shelves soon on deep discount. Um, down um, big, big discount on Santa's Helper, white chocolate cranberry, eggnog, pumpkin spice, spike jack-o'-lantern. Oh, those, uh, one of those already sold out. If you're thinking about getting one of the, some of the Christmas flavors or trying them, definitely consider picking them up today. We've got to make up for taking a day off. Otherwise, promo code the quartering and you could save on any one of our coffees. Our, uh, we have over a dozen organic loose leaf teas that are absolutely delicious. I was drinking some chamomile tea last night, uh, some chai tea this morning, and of course, our delicious hot cocos. Support the channel and, uh, and uh, get some delicious fluids. Now, Jordan Peterson striking back with a fury. I'm hearing from lawyers, doctors, teachers, and other psychologists about Jordan Peterson's decision to fight back against the politicized professional regulator. Interesting times ahead. Hear from Peterson on why he's fighting back. This is an article in the Toronto Sun. Now, I thought it was pretty interesting. I want to point out, <clears throat> I don't know how the timing of when their actual investigation started lines up with this, but I do find it pretty curious that on December 2nd, of 2022, about a month before this now, the College of Psychologists of Ontario happened to put out a public call for complaints. They wrote, our complaints process allows a member of the public to submit a complaint about a member's behavior, conduct, or practice to be investigated by the College's Inquiries Complaints Reports Committee. If you would like to learn more, visit here. It's almost like they were hoping, soliciting uh, these complaints. I mean, why did they should have just put uh, Jordan Peterson's picture on this? Seems like that would have been a uh, a more on. I, guess, I suppose it's a little on the nose for them, but it sure seems like they were, you know, openly soliciting that. And if you look, you know, this this post went relatively unnoticed. It has one like or two likes on it, <clears throat> seven quote tweets, and lots of comments. Basically, people saying. Um, Anybody from the public can complain. A College of Psychologists of Ontario will institute a struggle session. Just ask Jordan Peterson. Thanks, CP Ontario. Perhaps it isn't Jordan Peterson who is needed in need of a re-education. Oh, good. An official complaint process for the College of Psychologists of Ontario. Ontario. Here's this. This is exactly how I believe it. Got any complaints about Dr. Jordan Peterson? Share them here. Right? You have, I mean, it sure seems coordinated, doesn't it? You see here, he's decided to finally push back against the College of Psychologists of Ontario after <clears throat> a demand that he submit to a social media re-education or lose his license. Peterson has filed an application for judicial review of, with the Ontario Divisional Court, and he's now speaking openly about the barrage of politically motivated complaints. On Tuesday, Peterson took to Twitter, social media platform, the social media platform that could be called the scene of his many crimes to say enough is enough. I practiced for 20 years without being investigated. Uh, this only started when I became a prominent public figure. 
Peterson said in a phone interview Wednesday morning. He said that ever since he rose to public prominence in 2016, he's been facing nonstop complaints. He's had to hire lawyers to handle the complaints with the college. All I want to tell people is what is happening. <clears throat> we saw this with fellow YouTuber Nick Ricada, where uh, a bunch of um, mentally disturbed people were filing bar complaints against him. Uh, they didn't live in his state. They didn't actually, you know, they weren't clients of his. They were, you know, they weren't, um, you know, in his jurisdiction, but they didn't like words he said on the internet, so they tried to ruin his career. In January 2022, Peterson was tweeting that the world, the world could handle a larger population if handled right, something that goes against the mantra claimed by some of overpopulated and harming the planet. Roger Palfrey, a man who describes himself as a scientist and educator, said he disagreed and claimed that the world is already overpopulated and wrote, you're free to leave at any point, Peterson tweeted. So, the American behind the complaint said that Peterson was advocating for self-deletion. A leap in logic, if there ever was one. Oh, it's an American who doesn't go to his school and doesn't receive his medical advice. Another complaint was filed against Peterson in February 2022, when he questioned the wisdom of Ottawa's interim police chief, Steve Bell, saying that he was looking at how to remove children from Freedom Convoy protest site of Ottawa, Peterson tweeted a video of the statement and said, children removed, how exactly? Why exactly? By whom exactly? Sent to where and for how long? Think this through, Canadians. This is a bad decision. The complaint is that Peterson, a psychologist, must report children at risk. Whatever your political view of the convoy, there was not at that time any evidence of kids being at risk. Again, so you could see this was his, he shared his opinion on a kind of a political hot button issue and people tried to get him to lose his job over it you know it's it's like now that we because these complaints have to be public public you know you have to be able to see what the complaints are uh you know now you see just how spurious, spurious and how ridiculous these really are <clears throat> may 2022 a complaint was filed after Peterson retweeted a New York Post article about Yumi Du being unveiled as the cover model for Sports Illustrated Swimsuit. New, a plus-size model, oh, overweight, uh, was featured in a revealing swimsuit, but Peterson didn't find it appealing. Sorry, not beautiful. No amount of authoritarian tolerance is going to change that, Peterson tweeted. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. While many will agree with Peterson and many will disagree, his statement on Twitter about a swimsuit model is hardly an issue for the College of Psychologists of Ontario. 100% agree. Oh, she's not like that overweight. Okay. Anyway. <clears throat> I think his, it was more speaking to the whole, like, being overweight is healthy thing that, you know, mainstream media is pushing forever. Um, the college now has... So the, the complaints are... All three are completely ridiculous. All right. And all three complaints seem, okay, so a political hot button issue, uh, an obese swimsuit model, the convoy, and then one that was like a spicy clapback. But none of it has to do with his ability to practice psychology. The college, of course, has declined to comment on the issue and cited privacy when asked a series of questions. Their letter to Peterson, though, informed him that he did undergo, that if he did undergo the remedial social media training they require that would be made public 
a sort of stain on his public record. The panel has yet to make a decision, but maintains its serious concerns about your professionalism in public statements. The letter from the college states. It then goes on to detail their wish for Peterson to undergo training through their either two of their preferred experts in social media behavior and professionalism, while the other states that Peterson would not have to admit any wrongdoing, the college would then provide a statement for him to sign in which he would admit to unprofessional conduct. This is just insane. Like this, this is, this is actually insane. I mean, it's, 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 it's like, oh, well, you don't have to admit it, but just, just sign this so we can hold it over your head forever. <laughs> Quote, that I, ha that I may have lacked professionalism in public statements made on social media during January 25th podcast appearance, the statement reads, the podcast mentioned was an appearance by Peters on the Joe Rogan's top-rated podcast. They have five levels of sanction that they've already put the second highest level of sanctions upon me. They see me as likely to reoffend, Peterson said. He said that the politiz politicization of the college regulates regulating professions in Ontario and across Canada puts the care and legal advice we all receive at risk because professionals will be afraid to give their best advice. Oh yeah, I mean definitely. Sometimes what's the best advice may not be the easiest to say or might not even be politically correct, but it might be still, that doesn't mean, it may be unpopular, but it still may be the correct advice or the correct take. The idea that, you know, that these clearly politically motivated complaints have nothing to do uh, with his ability to do his job at all is, is insane. You could see here, there are more than 2,000 YouTube comments on Michaela Fuller's coverage of my sentencing decision at, uh, at your hands, CP Ontario. It doesn't really appear anyone is supporting your position. Do 2,000 statements of support outweigh 12 complaints? If not, please justify. And then you see petition here. Petition, defend Dr. Jordan Peterson. The counter signal signed. Um, so this comes from him being on, you know, the wrong people's podcast. Of course, you know, Jordan Peterson has long, you know, and look here, you know, they, the same people that Jordan Peterson was speaking to, this may be an inconvenient truth. When they try to run Jordan Peterson off, you know, that's how you got Andrew Tate and how you get these other, like, be, the, 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 there's always going to be young men who need directional support. I feel like Jordan Peterson was um, probably one of the best in terms of timing and delivery that that young man had. It was lightning in a bottle. The establishment didn't like that, so they wanted to get rid of him because they wanted young men to be disaffected and not have purpose. He gave them that. He gave them agency. He gave them advice. Um, and, you know, I absolutely support him in this fight. It's, it's, it's actually insane. Um, even, even the Wall Street Journal, even journalists are supporting of him. 
The College of Psychologists, the profession's governing body in Ontario, appointed an investigator in March to examine the complaints about Mr. Peterson's comments on Twitter and the popular Joe Rogan podcast. On November 22nd, the colleagues' panel released a decision per images provided by Mr. Peterson. The panel ruled the comments at issue appear to undermine the public's trust in the profession as a whole. Now, raise questions about your ability to carry out your responsibilities as a psychologist. Never mind the psychologists who are telling people it's healthy and beautiful to be 200 pounds overweight. Never mind all these ridiculous social justice uh, opinions espoused by um, psychologists. It's just that it goes against the narrative. That's all they're caring about. It says professional bodies are supposed to ensure practitioners are competent, not enforce political orthodoxies or act as language police outside of the office. But that's the trend in Western medical associations and beyond. The Law Society of Ontario has pushed a mandatory diversity pledge for all lawyers until a member's revolt took over the board and nixed the pledge in 2019. At the time, an Ontario lawyer objected to the ever-expanding mission to socially engineer the profession. Sounds kind of like an id, ego, and super ego. You could probably ask a psychologist about it. I support you 100%, Jordan Peterson, uh, in this fight, and I'm sure my viewers do too. And next up today, the CDC gets woke and gets destroyed. Now, the CDC is an agency that has been, uh, well, much maligned. Really, it was just, it, it, you know, the it just kind of existed for years and years and years uh, until, well, the coup happened. And then people started becoming more familiar with the CDC and, you know, some of the things that they do along with, you know, Dr. Anthony Fauci and things of that nature. Well, turns out, you know, when they're not worried about um, actual contagions, <clears throat> they're worried about infecting the minds of youth with woke gender ideology. CDC promotes new tool <clears throat> to increase schools' acceptance of gender ideology. Again, this is the CDC. This is Department of Health and Human Services. Okay, Safer, healthier people, they say. That apparently includes gender ideology and other things of that nature. The CDC this week promoted a tool meant to encourage schools across the United States to embrace gender ideology to increase, quote, quote, inclusivity. On Tuesday, the CDC's Division of Adolescent School Health put out a link to a resource aimed at helping school administrators quickly gauge inclusivity at their schools. The resource, a self-assessment tool, covers things at schools from bathroom policies to sport teams and pronoun usage. The tool was developed using a host of materials from non-government agencies like the National LGBT Health Education Center and the Center of Excellence for Transgender Health. This is why I'm so vehemently against government involvement in just about anything besides roads and protecting our borders. What ends up happening at these huge government agencies is they get tons of funding, right? Tons of money, tons and tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of money, right? And no, very little oversight. How do you spend that money? Well, you got to spend that money. It's like, remember the meme in the office? Did you watch the office? A lot of people did, but it was, I, I worked in the private sector. It was this way with budgets where they're like, 
uh, Michael's freaking out at the end of the year because he has like a $7,000 budget surplus. And if he doesn't spend that $7,000, he loses it in next year's budget. Essentially, you're saying, oh, well, you could operate it at, you could operate it at 100,000 instead of 110,000 or 107,000. So no, next year, you're only going to get 100,000 in the budget. This is the way the government works. So you spend and spend and spend and spend and spend, and then you keep spending. Well, you end up then with these like weird, you know, basement departments where you get some gender ideology kid right out of college, gets hired, gets a huge salary, gets all great health benefits, and they go unobserved. And uh, they end up doing this. Schools play a critical role in supporting the health and academic development of all youth, including success of LGBT students, creating and sustaining inclusive school environments, policies, programs, and practices that include LGBTQ youth is one strategy for improving the health and academic success of all youth. The resource reason. Now, by the way, this is the CDC. This is your tax dollars at work, Americans, right? The research was primarily developed by the CDC and the NORC research group at the University of Chicago. The resource is not required and is described as a collection of curated resources and tools to help schools enhance LGBTQ inclusive policies, programs, and practices. You know what I noticed today? If, if you type in CDC woke in a Google search engine, this, this, this is what showed up for me. I knew that like through all of my fever over the last couple of days, I'm like, there was some woke CDC stuff, right? So then I Google CDC woke and it brings me to this page, the actual CDC.gov. It's the number one result in Google. Secretly based? Preferred terms for select population groups and communitize. So in, in here you have corrections and detentions. Instead of inmate, prisoner, offender, criminal, try persons with pre-trial trial or with charge. What? Persons on parole? Or, this is on the CDC website. Persons detained by or under the custody of specific agency, for example, U.S. immigration. How about... Uh, you know, don't call them smokers, call them people who smoke. What? Somebody got paid to write this up with your tax dollars, at least here in America, right? Your tax dollars went, I'm sure it's like the same in Canada and the UK and many other Western nations too. You know, instead of saying hard to reach populations, is that supposed to be offensive? That's offensive now? Instead of homelessness, say, People experiencing homelessness? What? They're not experiencing it. They are homeless. Anyway, I digress. Just popped in my head. I was like, what? The inclusivity assessments are broken down into sections for administrators, educators, all users, and school health staff. There are three levels of inclusivity, ranging from commit to change to awesome ally. One section of the tool asks whether users recognize that gender, gender identity, and orientation can be experienced on a continuum, while others ask if the user assumes gender identity. The resource also asks if school employees are using gender-neutral language, like
like partner instead of boyfriend or girlfriend. In addition to using students' preferred pronouns, administrators receive higher inclusivity grades if they have policies in place that allow students to use bathroom slash locker room of their chosen identity. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I'm not definitely nobody's taking advantage of that, right? Administrators also are asked if the technological policies allow students access to age-appropriate LGBTQ content and information. Recommended users for administrators include information from Human Rights Watch and Gender Spectrum. And listen, this is like, in the educator section, the tool asks if there are visual labels like rainbow flags that demonstrate the classroom is a safe space for LGBTQ students. Educators are also asked if during um, education class, if they teach information on all types of coitus, not centering on P and the V. The guide recommends uses of phrase like body with a P or body with a V instead of a boy or a girl. I, I mean, this is absolute insanity. I mean, the idea that this is your tax dollars at work, I mean, between sending a zillion dollars to Ukraine and and then seeing how this is, it's like, I, I don't trust the government with a single penny of my money. I mean, the CDC, aren't you still trying to figure out if we're supposed to be wearing masks or not? Maybe look into why, you know, I've been, the, I was the sickest I've ever been this last week and it wasn't the coof. What's going on with that? Why does it seem like the flu is getting super powered, at least with me? At least with me. I mean, like the assessment areas. I use inclusive terminology, e.g. using individuals' chosen pronouns. So you, it's like saying, do you embrace their, their psychosis? Do you feed into their insanity? Yes or no? This is your tax dollars at work, people. Absolutely pathetic. And next up, Elon Musk tortures Democrat Adam Schiff for begging Twitter to ban journalists. There has been a lot of revelations from this last Twitter files drop. In fact, I would argue that it was probably the most important one to date, given that they tried banning 250,000 users. And we saw for, I think, the first time now, the first direct government official going and asking Twitter to ban somebody. And then on top of that, ban a journalist, which I don't really care about anymore. I mean, most journalists are, are garbage. But hey, Matt Taibbi is a journalist, right? But it's hard to, it's hard to care about journalist TM uh, as, 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 uh, as much as, look, I'm more concerned with Twitter banning anybody at the request of a politician. But uh, Elon Musk calling out Adam Schiff directly, and he gets rightfully uh, dragged on social media after this particular, particularly spicy email came out. So of the 50 or 60 so tweets that dropped by Matt Taibbi, and also I suspect this week we're supposed to have the Fauci files as well this week, but uh, one of the particular emails was an email directly from Adam Schiff's team. Now, if you don't know who Adam Schiff is, he is a Democrat out of California. 
all around scumbag like most politicians. Uh, but uh, here's what's interesting. Forward tweets. Hi, blank. I met with blank from uh, a de department and he flagged the attached analysis from the House Permanent Select Intelligence Committee, Adam Schiff's representative, Adam Schiff's office for your review and feedback related to alleged harassment from conspiracy theorists against a specific staffer. Would like to get your thoughts on our ability, if any, to support this request. Of note, <clears throat> name from SP has reviewed the request and consulted with below is her initial feedback. You see this. They also received an astonishing variety of requests from officials. Twitter also received an astonishing variety of requests from officials asking for individuals they didn't like to be banned. Here are the office for the Democrat and House Intel Committee Chief Adam Schiff asks Twitter to ban journalist Paul Sperry, who is, by the way, recently just restored. Uh, he was just restored uh, uh, after this went live. It says, remove any and all content about Mr. Misko and other committee staff from its service to include quotes, retweets, and reactions to that content. No, this isn't feasible. We don't do this. So even Twitter, this is Twitter's reply, by the way. They asked, can you remove any content about this person and other committee staff from its service to include quotes, retweets, and reactions? Twitter says, no, this isn't feasible slash we don't do this. They also suspend the many accounts, including Greg Rubini and Paul Sperry, which have report repeatedly promoted false conspiracies and been mean. We'll review these accounts again, but I believe so-and-so mentioned only one qualified for suspension. I'm assuming that's Sperry. Or, yeah. Suppress any and all search results about this individual and other committee staff. No, Twitter replies, we don't do this. If it is related to Q, then it should already be deamplified. Like these are just this is just a just a power hungry grab. This is a, a a politician in the United States emailing casually, uh, email casually Twitter to go ahead and ban these people. Can you go ahead and ban these people? Like complete, like to me, it was like, it, I, I can't imagine, like what kind of, if you're on the receiving end of this email, are you like, what? Who is this guy? Why, why are my, why should I be banning this? Then they said, <laughs> they didn't go label and reduce the visibility of any content about this individual that Twitter does not remove for the other reasons. No, we don't do this. Just gets absolutely shut down. And then Elon says, Hey, Adam Schiff, what's this about? By the way, uh, this is uh, Adam Schiff's stupid face. Um, this is a guy that, of course, lies for a living. This is just, sec just a few days ago getting caught in a Twitter lie saying, insulin is now capped at $35 for Americans on Medicare. By the way, it should be cheaper. Um, no, I don't think anybody's against that. Uh, every single Republican voted against lowering the cost, except that was a lie. You got Twitter fact-checked. The insulin cap for seniors was part of an infrastructure reduction act. 19 Senate Republicans voted for the bill. Not every single Republican, like just going out there and lying. I mean, why, you know, and this is again, the same guy that again, ruthlessly mocked 
after you know, they say Adam Schiff dragged after Twitter files show shows he asked to suspend journalists, expel Schiff from Congress. One user tweeted, "I don't care what political party you follow. This cannot be ex- expect, ex- accepted." I, I mean, I agree. I mean, I, I have, I agree. Critics of Representative Adam Schiff were outraged after reading Elon Musk and journalist Matt Taibbi's latest Twitter files entry alleging Schiff lobbied Twitter to suspend journalists from the platform. What do you mean alleging? They have the, I mean, are you, are you saying that that, re, that, the, that, I mean, we just read it. Published Tuesday in the latest round of Twitter files, internal documents revealing how Twitter engaged in censorship and promoted disinformation in tandem with government agencies for the past few years revealed that Schiff's office asked Twitter to remove journalist Paul Sperry and others from the site. Taibbi, who published the Twitter files post by post of Twitter at the behest of Musk, provided documentation showing that the Office for the Democrat and House Intel Committee Chief Adam Schiff asked Twitter to ban journalist Paul Sperry. Yeah, look at his little face. He just looks like he'd lie to your face. The document Taibbi shared featured a correspondence between the House Permanent Select Intelligence Committee, Schiff's office, and Twitter, which included a request to suspend many accounts, including Greg Rubini and Paul Sperry, which repeatedly promoted false conspiracies. As Taibbi's documentation indicated, however, Twitter was reluctant to fulfill such a request, responding, we'll review the accounts again, but I believe redacted mentioned only one qualified for suspension. In response to shifts demanding Twitter remove any and all content, as well as quotes, retweets, and reactions from that content concerning its staff members, Twitter flat out refused. A Twitter staff responded, no, that isn't feasible, slash, we don't do this. Sperian author and New York Post columnist was later suspended from Twitter for unrelated reasons, telling conservative commentator Glenn Beck in August of 2022 it was due to the tweets about, of his about the FBI raid on President Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence. However, Sperry was reinstated on Twitter this week and immediately responded to the latest Twitter files revelations. He claimed the real reason Schiff sought his suspension was because at the time Sperry was reporting on the whistleblower who exposed the phone call to Ukraine that prompted Trump's first impeachment. You see, you know, journalist Adam Halsey wrote, this is disturbing. I don't care what political party you follow, this cannot be accepted. The Spectator contributing editor Stephen L. Miller commented sarcastically, Adam Schiff just using his First Amendment rights. Um, Real Clear Investigation senior writer Mark Hemingway tweeted, of course, Sperry's real crime was doing vital reporting, exposing the mistruths about Russian collusion, a subject Schiff lied about for years. Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton asked if this constituted another reason to expel Schiff from Congress. Conservative actor Randy Quaid quipped, Schiff is a real piece of Schiff. Conservative pundit and lawyer Will Chamberlain offered a solution tweeting, Adam Schiff should be expelled from Congress. I would. I just think that's. I mean, that to me, that seems absolutely. You know, absolutely like the only solution here. I mean, you have a, a, a sitting matter member of government. Literally infringing on citizens' First Amendment rights, and like in the most hilarious, in the most hilarious fashion. 
like, oh, they're saying mean things about my staff. Can you go ahead and ban them? Can you go ahead and suppress them? I mean, I wish I could, I wish I could say that, like, it was, like, I wish I could say I was being, like, hyperbolic, but I'm not. I mean, you're literally trying to silence journalists that were exposing lies. Uh, absolutely pathetic, but not unexpected. But now we have it in chapter and verse. Will, will anything get done about it? I guess we'll have to wait and see. Certainly hope so. And last up today, inside Twitter on January the 6th, this will make you rage. Thank goodness Elon Musk bought Twitter. On New Year's Day, there was an interesting leak slash expose on what Twitter employees were doing uh, on the worst day in American history, January 6th. I think I tweeted this and um, I had this weird interaction on New Year's where like this guy was like totally, I got along with him great. He was very nice. I was meeting him for the first time. Uh, he was here from South Africa. He was an American living in South Africa for the past 10 years or something. Um, and he said with a straight face that, you know, the people that were there on that day should be, uh, I can't even say what he said, <clears throat> you know, on YouTube. And I was like, what? Like this dude was based all night long. And I was like, wait, what? And it was like 1130. And rather than arguing with him, I just went downstairs and talked to other people because it was like, this is going to turn into some whole big thing. And it's New Year's. And I didn't really want to, you know, ruin the guy, the other guy's parting it, uh, but the other guy's party. But I went downstairs and I immediately made fun of him uh, and said, who invited this guy? But like, uh, you know, when I asked him about what about when the Democrats did it, what about when, uh, um, what's his name? The, um, the uh, Supreme Court judge, Kavanaugh. What about when, what about when, you know, <laughs> all these other people then Democratic side entered the building against, uh, against the rules. He had, you know, didn't have anything to say, but of course he didn't. Anyway, um, now there's some leaked j6 committee report exposes twitter's post insurrection this is on the rolling stone so of course far left uh you know lunatic uh just outright i, I believe the rolling stone was the one that ran the er's are overflowing because people are uh, taking horsey pace and there's people that have um have um uh, lead injections in their body from from you know gang activity and they're laying on this on the floors in these hospitals, they ran that story. Of course, had to retract it, but they didn't care. The Rolling Stone is a is a place where they don't really care as long as it fits their narrative, right? Company employees lashed out at leadership over an ad hoc content moderation policy that they blamed for enabling Donald Trump's insurrection. Here's what we found so far in these Twitter files. These idiots that worked at Twitter thought they ran the country. In some ways, maybe they did. They legitimately saw themselves as an arm of the government. And is there really any surprise that they felt that way? Because they were working directly with the FBI. They were working directly with um, the CIA, Homeland Security, all that kind of stuff. In the immediate aftermath of the attack, I mean, there were people out there literally saying this is like, you know, this September, you know, tower stuff. Yeah, it was it was one of the most hilarious bits of hyperbole. Um, what's that? Um, that loser. Uh, uh, well, I don't want to mention his name, but uh, 
you know, he, there's a fellow YouTuber who was live streaming it all day and having a complete meltdown about how, you know, this is a guy that normally covers technology, um, but his channel's dead. So he's like, oh, I'll cover politics now. But anyway, the, the watching people react to like what essentially was um, a music festival that got out of control by a small handful of people was one of the most hilarious things I've ever seen. Quote, do you want more blood on your hands? One staffer asked the top executive at Twitter. Del Harvey, uh, top executive Del Harvey, when she questioned whether or not Trump could inspire more bad behavior in the aftermath. They didn't care about the BLM stuff, obviously. Maxine Waters telling people to take it to the streets, stuff like that. The exchange relayed by former Twitter employees to the committee was included in a summary of investigative findings prepared by committee staff and obtained by the Rolling Stone. The 120-page document contains insights about the role of social media in the insurrection, most of which were not included in the committee's final report, and paints a picture of Twitter as bumbling and gun-shy in its efforts to stop extreme opinions from using the platform to run in the run-up to the event. Again, what? I mean, didn't a, didn't a cop end an unarmed citizen's life on that day? What? I'm pretty sure if, you know, the political parties were rearranged, you'd still be talking about how that cop should be in jail for life, right? Now you, you call him a hero. In its final report, the committee mostly avoided conclusions about how the social media companies responded to the event in the weeks of spicy rhetoric leading up to it. Committee members punted the issue to Congress and asked Oversight Committee to continue to evaluate the policies of media companies that have had an effect on radicalizing their their consumers. In the draft summary, written by committee's purple or social media team, staffers were more pointed about what they saw as failures of big social media companies. Quote, the sheer scale of Republicans' post-election rage paralyzed decision makers at Twitter. Did it? They were still tattling on United States citizens for tweeting election jokes, and they were getting banned, bro. What are you talking about? And Facebook, who feared political reprisals if they took action, the summary concluded. Can you prove that? Pretty sure that Twitter and Facebook were banning whoever you wanted. Pretty sure Twitter banned, Facebook banned Donald Trump. Pretty sure. I mean, these people live in a different world. Twitter reportedly told the committee that it instituted a draft uh, coded incitement on a policy to one one of the people made it inside the Capitol, but former employees said that on-the-fly implementation was vague, confused, and ad hoc. Well, it is. The result of that delay, they argued, meant that members of the safety policy team were manually taking down um, over-the-line tweets, including those including, you know, going after Mike Pence, using only the Twitter search function. Well, didn't they have a huge staff of FBI people to help them? Draft also paints a picture of Twitter leadership that seemed to be having little idea about the far-right figures on its platform. In an email exchange excerpt from the draft summary, a Senate aide emailed Twitter, oh, that's normal, to express disbelief that the company was still allowing Ron Watkins, the administrator of the Internet's ground zero for the Q group, to continue tweeting. The unnamed Twitter executive emailed back with a question, who is Ron Watkins? Why should the Twitter executive be concerned about that? Are they breaking the rules? This is just more... Like on that day, right, we had more government officials uh, melting down and demanding Twitter remove people. Now, I don't know if he did or didn't break any rules. I'm actually not familiar with the guy because I don't really spend time in that area of the Internet.
If he was breaking the rules, okay. But it doesn't, I doubt he was. Even days after the event, former Twitter employees told the committee that executives were still slow to recognize that the risk Trump could pose by inciting future bad behavior. After Trump tweeted that he would not attend Joe Biden's inauguration, safety team's employees testified that they saw the exact same rhetoric and exact same language that had led up to the, the event on J6 popping up underneath. His, uh, his tweets leading to fears of another act of mass violence. Was it an act? What? Were we watching the same thing? Yes, there were a small group of people that put their hands on people and broke things and did stupid things, and they should be prosecuted for that. I, I, I don't disagree with that. At least trespassing. The way our government's treating them is like they're, they're Terry's. Again, because they are Republicans. If they were Democrats, they'd be called stunning and brave. The report's release comes as Elon Musk's new Twitter owner has suggested that the company's old regime employed a moderation policy that can consciously favor Democrats and strategically censored pro-Trump voices. But the bipartisan panel paints a picture of company adrift, handling moderation in an ad hoc manner with literal internal lo little internal logic. Didn't they have like 4,000 moderators? Both committee staff and former employees who gave depositions singled out former Twitter vice president for trust and safety, Del Harvey, as an obstacle to tougher enforcement against election-related opinions they didn't like in the run-up to the event. Harvey, the 120-page summary concludes, personally obstructed the creation of coded uh, incitement policy drafted under Twitter safety employees in the months before the event. Harvey did not respond. Under Musk, Twitter no longer has a mechanism for responding to press inquiries. Uh, Collier Navaroli drafted a coded incitement policy after Trump's stand back and stand by. Uh, shout out to the uh, Proud Boys during September presidential debates. The policy was meant to capture content that would skirt existing policies um, by avoiding obvious keywords. Former employees told the committee that they were overwhelmed by the workload as tweets flooded in from the Capitol with enough specificity to tell which parts of the building they had had fallen to the mob. As they streamed through the Capitol, at least one Senate aide pleaded with the company and take their platform's responsibility and stuff. What? I mean, this is, this, is, this, is, this is just another example of just how intimately connected these two groups were, right? Platforms are going to bear a lot of responsibility for helping facilitate this. I really do hope you do more than watch today. That sounds like a threat. Why doesn't the government just take over these social media platforms? That's what they want, right? I can't wait for more, uh, more uh, Twitter files later today as the day goes by. Make sure you click that subscribe button down below, and we'll talk to you again real soon.